Welcome, and thanks for listening to the New Life Christian Ministries podcast. If you'd like more information about New Life or for more podcasts and other media, go to newlifexn.org. Morning. Welcome to New Life. We're so glad that you're here to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus with us. I'm Pastor Chris, and if you're here for the very first time, we've been expecting you for just about 18 years. Um, When we started New Life, Nancy, my wife, and I, back in 2001, I guess that would be just about 17 years. Okay, I'm getting old. My math isn't as good as it used to be. Um, We... We're out in Ivywood, a little place about three miles from here, and we and a bunch of our friends and some people we never even met decided that we were going to start a church that would be a little different than the average church in the area. Our goal was uh, for people who maybe had never tried church or who had given up on church as usual to be able to come and feel welcome. And we wanted to make sure that uh, if you wandered in off the street, which wasn't really likely to happen in Ivywood, uh, that you would feel comfortable. And most importantly of all, We wanted every person to experience the truth, the love, and the new life of Jesus Christ. And uh, we started from day one with what we called indigenous worship. That means that we use the language and the dress and the music and the technology of our communities. And those things change from time to time, uh, and so we update those from time to time. But what we haven't changed and what we will never change is the foundational message of salvation that comes only through Jesus Christ. A couple weeks ago, I was getting ready for Easter, and I said to Nancy, you know, I think I'm going to wear a suit on Easter this year. And immediately, she said to me, why? So people who come for the very first time who aren't dressed up will feel uncomfortable. I went, whoa, she really gets it, doesn't she? You know, and and, and I understand, you know, some people think that you really need to get dressed up for God, and I'll be honest, you guys look better than you usually do on a (laughs) Sunday morning. Uh, but, But God cares more what's on the inside than he cares what's on the outside. And you know, there's a lot of people who think that the only songs that you can really sing in church have to be at least several hundred years old. But the psalmist said six times, there are six psalms that say, sing a new song to the Lord. And you know, there's some people that say, you know, if a pipe organ was good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for me. Truth of the matter is, they didn't even start using pipe organs until 800 AD. Traditions aren't bad. Traditions aren't a bad thing. But here at New Life, we would rather share, grow, and live the new life of Jesus Christ with the world one person at a time. And if you're here for the first time or watching online for the first time, you're that person. We care more about that than we care about doing things the way people have always done it in church. So today, we're celebrating Jesus' resurrection. I celebrate that every day. In fact, every day when I wake up, I give thanks to God that Jesus is alive. If he were not alive, I wouldn't be here today. I'm guessing that if Jesus had not risen from the dead, you wouldn't be here today either. Because Jesus' resurrection is the pivot point of history. Everything in history that that happened before Jesus was just prelude to the resurrection of Jesus. And everything that has happened since he stepped out of the tomb on that first Easter morning, it, it, it simply flows from it. In fact, there are places in the world today where no one has yet heard the name of Jesus in those places. And the angels of heaven are waiting for the moment when somebody will take the name of Jesus to those people so they can hear it. And why? Because Jesus said when he was on the earth that there is a party or rejoicing in heaven when even one lost person is found. And a lost person is defined simply as this, someone who hasn't yet heard that there's a God who created everything, who has a son named Jesus who died in the place of all of us because we're, we're not what we're supposed to be. We're sinners according to the Bible. And so as he died on the cross, he took the penalty of God for our sin upon himself and he rose from the dead. And when people understand that, 
and they trust that into their lives and let Jesus be Lord, which means owner and Savior. It changes everything forever. And that's what the angels are waiting in those places where Jesus hasn't yet been told about by anyone for that to happen. So we're launching a new series today. And as you saw in the bumper video, it's called Anchors in the Storm. And we're going to talk during this four-week series about four anchors for our lives, for the tests and the trials and the temptations that we face in our daily lives. And today, the anchor we're going to talk about is salvation. And then the next three weeks, we're going to talk about faith, hope, and love. The Apostle Paul, in his letter to um, the Corinthians, the first letter to the Corinthians, said, there are three eternal things, faith, hope, and love. So when we go to heaven one day, um, we're going to still have faith in Jesus. We're going to still have hope because of Jesus. And we're going to live out the love that we gain from Jesus and the power of his resurrection. And so we're going to talk about those things during this series. And uh, what we're, the premise of this series is very simple but very profound, actually. Here it is. When we live in faith, hope, and love, our lives become attractive to those around us. Look up there on the screen, or any screen, which it doesn't matter which one. Would you say that with me out loud? When we live in faith, hope, and love, our lives become attractive to those around us. Now, it isn't a newsflash that not everybody sees it that way. A lot of people in the world think of Christians as haters or as hypocrites. They think that Christians really just don't don't understand what life is all about. And and basically, they think that we forgot to go to kindergarten and, and learn the basic lesson of how to get along and play well with others, right? That's what a lot of people think. And that, those thoughts don't come in a vacuum because we don't always um, reflect Jesus well, and we never reflect him perfectly in our lives. And so what we're going to do during these four weeks is we're going to investigate why salvation matters and why it matters more than anything else. And we're going to consider how our lives do become magnetic when we live them in faith, hope, and love. I remember about 25 years ago, I was listening to a preacher, and he said something that has echoed in my mind and my heart ever since. What he said was this. It'll be up on the screen, I think. We've, uh, we've, Christians today have done the impossible. We've taken a message that in Jesus' day, people would walk for days and go without eating to hear And we've turned it into something that people would walk for days and go without eating to avoid. Now, 25 years ago, when I heard that statement, I thought, yeah, that's probably true. Now, 25 years later, I think it's even more true. How can that be? How can it be that we who have the greatest news, the most important message in the history of the universe, can so often be, at one extreme, mealy-mouthed wimps who are afraid to say anything to anybody, or at the other extreme, become self-righteous hypocrites who, who think that everybody else but them is going to hell. How can that be? Now, if you don't know what mealy mouth is, I want you to see the definition. It's going to be up on the screen. Mealy mouth means avoiding the use of direct and plain language, as from timidity, excessive delicacy, or hypocrisy, inclined to mince words, insincere, devious, or compromising. Our culture more and more rejects truth, that there is any kind of truth. And they think that love is just a feeling. And, and a, lot of, a, a large reason for that is because over the past decades, Christians have been afraid to stand up when it really counted. And in fact, we've majored in minors, but whenever a, a matter was really important, we didn't get involved because we were afraid that we might say something that would offend somebody. Now, please hear what I'm, I'm not saying this morning. I am not saying that I have it all right and that you should think what I think and that you should do what I do. 
I have stood on the sidelines far too often myself, and I have been engaged in things that really don't matter myself. What I have not done is mince words. What I have not done is, is be delicate, because I believe that the truth that's contained in this book is transformational, not only for me, but for every person in the, in the world, and, and that the God who is behind this book is the one true and living God, and that we need him. All of us need him desperately. One of the blessings of getting older, as I am, as we all do if we continue to live, and reading the Bible every day, is it's easier and easier for me to see the foolishness that's going on all around me in the world, and unfortunately, that's still too often inside of me. And the thing is, if we believe that this book is true, even when we don't live it out, in fact, maybe especially when we don't live it out, we see how important and vital it is for us to live in faith, hope, and love. When we look around our culture today on Easter morning 2018, we see a lot of storms. We see a lot of tests and trials and temptations. We see a lot of problems. One of the major ones that we read about in the newspaper just about every day is, is the trouble of uh, drug overdose deaths. In 2016, more than 60,000 Americans died of drug overdoses. In 2017, it'll be more. In 2018, more than that. And uh, that's sort of what happens when, when a culture decides that the best way to find fun or the best way to avoid pain is through a chemical or some substance that, that really is never going to provide the answers uh, to which we're, we're seeking. And another, I think, way more insidious problem in this culture, uh, one that we might not be even aware of, but I'm sure we don't talk about nearly as much, is the problem of fatherlessness. In America, one out of every three children lives without their biological father in their home uh, between birth and 18. And uh, children without a biological father in their home are five times more likely to commit suicide. They're nine times more likely to drop out of school. They're 10 times more likely um, to abuse chemical substances and 20 times more likely to be in prison. Now, politics is not the answer. I think by this time we've all figured it out that neither the Democrats nor the Republicans or any other party are going to fix this. And we have all these isms going on in our culture and everybody's saying that we just need to be tolerant and accepting. That's the mantra of the day, tolerance and acceptance and everything will be fine. But everything isn't fine. And everything won't be fine. And if you're starting to think, well, wait a minute, isn't this Easter? <laughs> Aren't we supposed to be celebrating the resurrection of Jesus? Yes, it is Easter. And yes, we have been celebrating the resurrection of Jesus, and we're going to continue to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. But what, we're, what, we're, what I wanted to make sure we understood is we're facing some fierce storms in our lives today. And we, have the, we actually corner the market on faith, hope, and love. And we have to remember that. We have to become the people that Jesus lived, died, rose again, returned to heaven, and sent the Holy Spirit to form so that we can transform the world. There are pessimists out there, anarchists, and atheists, and agnostics, and what they say is, look at the world, and you can tell there's no God. And certainly if there is a God, he's not good. But what, Je what Jesus demonstrated on Easter morning is there is a God. And he's a good God. And he's a powerful God. And he's done everything necessary in order for us to be changed from the inside out so that we can transform the world around us to be everything that God created it to be in the first place. Today's take-home point is going to show us where we have to start 
if we want to live that kind of life. And for those of you who are new or watching online for the first time, the take-home point is the one point we make in our messages, and we want to take it home, pray about it, and then, most importantly, live it out in the power of the Holy Spirit this week. So here it is. Jesus' resurrection is the foundation of our salvation. During these four weeks, we're going to focus over and over again on the power of the resurrection of Jesus and how that has transformed everything, how that is the anchor for our lives. And as I said, in the, the following weeks, um, next week we're going to talk about faith, hope, and love. But faith, hope, and love come out of the salvation that Jesus Christ died and rose again to give us. The four gospel writers devoted a disproportionate segment of their gospels, and they are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, to the last week of Jesus' life, to his death, to his resurrection, and to those moments when he told people about what they're supposed to do next and what's going to happen when he returns. And, and so if we were to summarize it, it would be like this. In the last chapters of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we would read, Jesus died. Jesus overcame death. People saw him alive. That's very important because how do we know he rose from the dead? Because people saw him alive. Jesus called those people and us to go into all the world and make disciples who will live in Jesus' name and in the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus returned to heaven, and then he's going to return here to finish his work. So on most Easter's, what we will do is we'll take one of those four accounts from Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John about the resurrection, and we'll focus on that resurrection account and how it makes... The difference, how it is indeed the pivot point of history. And just this morning, I was reading from one of those accounts, and one of my favorite parts of that account is this. The women go in on Easter morning, and they don't know Jesus rose from the dead, of course, because nobody rises from the dead. Not very many people have. Anyway, so they go in to finish the embalming job that was started when Jesus died, but had to be disrupted for the Sabbath. Anyway, they go in, and there's an angel standing there, and the angel says, why are you looking for the living among the dead. And that's one, of my, that's one of my favorite questions. We often do that. We are often, often in, our, in our daily lives looking for some life, some hope in, in a place that's dead. It's never going to bring us life and hope. Only Jesus can do that. But anyway, over the centuries, the last 2,000 years, people have fought and warred and battled to, to figure out if Jesus is really who he claimed to be, people have argued over and over and over whether Jesus is who he proclaimed himself to be. We are not here this morning to argue, but we are here to proclaim that Jesus is who he claimed to be. In 2018, depending where on earth you are, when you say Jesus is Lord, when you say that Jesus rose from the dead, people will laugh at you. People will jeer at you. People will kill you. People will just sort of go their own way indifferent to you, or people will worship with you. It really does depend where the, the statement that Jesus Lord is made, how people respond. And many say that Christians don't have any right to express our views to others or to force our views on others. And I agree 100% with that. No human being has a right to force his or her view on any other human being. But when Jesus rose from the dead, he told us, that we must tell all the world, go into all the world and make disciples of all the nations. Why? Because Jesus said that he is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. He's the only way. And if he's the only way, then I would be doing a disservice if I didn't tell people 
about Jesus. And so I've told Buddhists and Muslims and Hindus and atheists and agnostics about Jesus. I haven't tried to force my view, but certainly I want them to understand that there is a God who loves us, a God who has a son whose name is Jesus, who died and rose again and went back to heaven, and he's coming back. And, in, and salvation is found only in him. So today's scripture isn't from the four gospels. It's a very brief scripture, but it's very bold. And it makes a statement that's very powerful. So before we turn there, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that as we pause in the middle of this message, before we read the bold words from the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 10, that you are here, that you are with us, that you are the one true living God, and that you hear our prayers before we even raise them to you. God, this morning I pray this simple prayer. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. Open our minds and our hearts to receive your truth so that we might be transformed from the inside out and that we might live boldly and confidently, but also humbly and compassionately in the name of Jesus. Amen. So if you have your Bible and you'd like to follow along, as I said, it's a very brief passage. It's Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. And here it says this. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God or justified, and it is by confessing with your mouth that you are saved. Now, you might not believe that bold, powerful statement, but here at New Life, we do. I do. When I was 12 years old, I stood in front of Gypsy Christian Church, a group of people probably about back there, uh, you know, about halfway back in this section, this many people, and I said, Jesus Christ is Lord. With my mouth, I confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Now, when I was five or six, I already believed in my heart that God had raised him from the dead. So why did it take me from the time I was five or six until I was 12 to go from believing in my heart to making that confession with my mouth? Well, I think there are a lot of reasons why. One of the reasons is I was afraid to stand up in front of the people, and you had to do it that way in Gypsy Christian Church. Uh, one of the other reasons was because I was an arrogant little kid, and I thought I didn't really need anybody. And I didn't like rules very much, and I knew that if I said Jesus Christ is Lord, what I was saying is he's in charge of my life, and I have to do what he says. And I don't like doing what people say. And if you don't believe me, just take a ride in a car with me, even today. I still don't do what people really want me to do. You see, there's this rebellious streak, and we all have the rebellious streak in us. And so for whatever reason, eventually I said, Jesus is Lord, and I believed it. And, and I have lived that way now for 49 years, I guess it's coming up on, in June when I turned 61. And in 2018, there are many people who don't believe that truth, that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And I've had a lot of people over the years say this to me who were not Christians. Here's why I'm not a Christian. Because I know a lot of Christians and, and I'm a better person than they are. Uh, my, I'm a morally better person than these people who say that they're following Jesus. So why should I follow Jesus? And there's a representative that I would like to bring up this morning who basically stands in that group of people, and his name was Mahatma Gandhi. He was a famous leader of India, and he had a lot of negative things to say about Christianity. And I'm going to share three, with, three of them with you right now. The first thing that he said was that Christians are the only army that shoot our own wounded. Now think about that. What did he mean? He meant that when some of us do something wrong, there's a lot of the rest of us that are pointing our fingers at and condemning 
You know, that's just the way it works in the church. And so then he said this. He said, why would I want to trade one religion with a caste system for another religion with a caste system? He was a Hindu. And he knew that in the Hindu religion, the higher up on the, uh, the hierarchy of, of the religion was based on the color of your skin. The lighter your skin, the higher up you were in the hierarchy. Then he said, why would I want to trade that for a religion, Christianity, where people of color are treated less than people who aren't? You know, people of lighter color are better than people of lower color. And we can say that's not true, but it has been true. And I think in many places it's still true. And, and then the third thing that Mahatma Gandhi said was this. He said, if you said that I was a Christian, I would be offended. But if you said I was like Jesus, I would be honored. Hmm. It's interesting because there's a lot of people today that feel that same way. They like Jesus. They just don't like the church. Now, I'll be honest. I don't always like the church myself. I don't even always like me because I don't live the way that Jesus calls me to live. And I've been following him for 49 years. There, There are only a handful of people in the world who drive me crazy. And they're all people who call themselves Christians. You see, you can't really drive me crazy if you're not a Christian because I don't expect much of you. But if you're a Christian, then I expect you to live differently than if you're not. And so it's easy for you to drive me crazy. It's easy for me to drive me crazy when I don't live consistently with what I proclaim to be. And if you're thinking right now, Chris, what's your point? I already made my point. My point was made in the take-home point, and that is that Jesus' resurrection is the foundation of our salvation. Jesus' resurrection is the foundation of our salvation. Uh, When I read Romans 10, 9, here's what it said. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It doesn't say anything about whether Christians shoot their own wounded. It doesn't say anything about whether we treat people of other colors as less than we treat ourselves. It doesn't say anything that we ought to seem more like Jesus Christ. It doesn't say any of that. What it says is, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, that you will be saved. Salvation comes from believing in Jesus Christ, not from what we do. You see, every religion in the world is about what we do. But... Back 3,000 years or so before Jesus was born on the earth, a a guy named Moses received a law from God. And that law was to tell people how they would live their lives in a way that would please God. If you did certain things, it pleased God. If you didn't do certain things, it pleased God. But the problem was nobody from Moses all the way up through Jesus was ever able to do those things completely. There were people who were better than other people, but, but nobody ever fulfilled the law of Moses. And that's why Jesus had to come, because Jesus came to exchange his perfect life for our imperfect lives. And that's really the point of the resurrection. The death on the cross, when Jesus died on the cross, he took the most unfair exchange in the history of the universe, because he took our sins into his body, and he gave us his righteousness. No, nobody would do that except somebody who was perfect. And, and here's the thing. More and more Christians around America, I would guess around the world, but I only know mostly about the Christians in America, are saying that Jesus was not perfect. 
Now, why would Jesus, why would people want to say that Jesus wasn't perfect, that he wasn't sinless? I think it's easy to understand. Why we would say that is because if Jesus wasn't perfect, then that would mean we wouldn't have to be perfect, and that would mean we could implement the line theory, which I talk about many times here at New Life, where this is the bad side, and that's the good side, and as long as I'm on this side of the line, then I get to go to heaven when I die. If I'm better than most people, and actually most people think they're better than most people, which is statistically impossible, but anyway... Um, but anyway, if Jesus is not perfect, then we don't have to rely totally on him for our salvation. And our arrogance doesn't want to rely on anybody for our salvation. Our pride doesn't want to allow uh, ourselves to have to rely on anybody for our salvation. But the truth is, we have to. The truth is, without Jesus Christ, we are all condemned before God, and none of us are going to stand in his presence as righteous. It's only through the blood of Jesus. So, Paul told us it is by believing with our hearts that we are made right with God or justified. The biblical word for being made right with God is justified. And in second grade Sunday school class, Bernadine Lockard told me that to be justified means to be just as if I never sinned. And that's what happens. When Jesus' blood shed on the cross is received into my life, I become justified. It happens for you as well. It doesn't happen by any human effort. At all, And that's what religion is all about, human effort. The human effort to please or appease the deity. But we can't please or appease God. And Paul says religion will never bring us to God, and Christianity can become a religion. Many people turn it into one. But what Paul said was that we must, we must, what we must believe in our hearts, and what must we believe in our hearts? That God raised Jesus from the dead. That is the essence of salvation. And why is it? Why is it the essence of salvation? Because when we believe that Jesus was raised from the dead by the power of God, we understand the power of God. We understand that there's a God who created the universe from nothing and that after we rejected that God and his plan for us to co-rule with him on this planet Earth, that he did not give up on us, that he took away the power of sin and the power of death because we not only died in sin, but we died, we were gonna die physically and be dead and be separated from him forever in hell. And what God did in raising Jesus Christ is give us the hope that our sins could actually be removed and we could rise from death ourselves. So Jesus is the proof that there's a good God. Jesus is the proof that there is a good God who has power to transform and change us. And not just us as individuals, but humanity as a whole. That's what Easter is all about. So what happens when we confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord and when we believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead? Jesus said we are born again. The Apostle Paul said we become new creatures, new people. In other words, we don't become better people. We'll never become better people. We get to be new people. And we exchange the old, and one of the, the terms that's used in the Bible is filthy rags of our lives for the new uh, linens of righteousness. And that's, that's what God does. That's the exchange that we make when Jesus Christ is confessed as Lord and when we believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead. And, and so why is it that there are so many legitimate complaints, the complaints made by folks like Mahatma Gandhi about Christianity and Christians? The answer is simple. Because just because we're saved doesn't mean that we're going to immediately look like Jesus 
Salvation happens in an instant. It says, confess with your mouth, believe in your heart, you're saved. Boom, it happens. But the process of becoming like Jesus is a long and painstaking process. I've been at it for 49 years now, and I think it's going to take another 490 for it to be complete. You know what I'm saying? It's just so hard to move from that instant of salvation to that instant when we reflect Jesus. But what we're going to talk about these next three weeks in the message series um, Anchors in the Storm is faith and how faith contributes to that change. Hope and how hope contributes to that change. And love and how love, love contributes to that change. But as we consider all of those things that take place over time, it starts with the anchor of salvation in Jesus Christ. So if you're here today or you're watching online and you have never trusted Jesus or the word of Paul that says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you will be saved, you can do that today. In fact, we're going to put a, a prayer on the screen. I want you to see what it says before you would even think about praying it. It says, Heavenly Father, I confess. That means I agree or I speak. Actually, the word in Greek means I say the same thing. And what am I saying the same thing? I'm saying that Jesus is Lord. That's the thing that I'm confessing. And I put there owner, master, because I want to make sure we understand what Lord means. It means owner. He gets to take over our lives. And it says, I believe in my heart you have raised him from the dead. I claim my salvation as the anchor of my life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit that I will live for your glory. This I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So if that's your prayer today, if you want to, that, that to be the reality of your life, as I pray at this time, would you pray it with me? Heavenly Father, I confess that Jesus is Lord, owner, master. I believe in my heart you have raised him from the dead. I claim my salvation as the anchor of my life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit that I will live for your glory. This I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you've already confessed with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you've already believed in your heart God raised him from the dead, or you just did it right now, I have a commitment for you, a commitment. Because here at New Life, we don't just you know, preach messages, fill your notebooks with information, and then say, have a good week. We want to make sure that all of us understand that the reason for the information is so that we can take it into our hearts and by the power of the Holy Spirit be transformed. And so here's the commitment for this week. I will anchor my life in Jesus' salvation. I will anchor my life in Jesus' salvation. Now that means many things, but it means at least this. It means that when we wake up tomorrow, that we will say, Jesus, I, I confess that you are Lord in my life, and I believe that you're alive right now, and I pray for your Holy Spirit to lead and guide me today. And we'll do that tomorrow and the next day and every day that Jesus gives us. And, and the thing is, as we do that, day by day by day by day, and as we live in faith and hope and love more and more and more and more, we will look more and more like Jesus. It doesn't happen in an instant. The, the salvation happened in an instant, but the transformation takes a lifetime. And, and so my prayer is that each of you will come back next week because you need to hear the message next week about faith and how faith can transform us. And then the next week, hope and how hope can transform us. And then about love and how it can transform us into what kind of people? Magnetic people that are attracted to the people around us. And so when you go to work or when you go back to school, bad news, knock students, Tuesday you gotta go back to school. 67% uh, of the students in my household are ready. Uh, there's three. Uh, but anyway, the point is, wherever you're gonna be tomorrow or Monday or Tuesday, 
uh, whatever happens with faith, hope, and love anchoring our lives, whatever the test, whatever the temptation, whatever the trial might be, we'll be ready for it. So come back again next week and hear what it means to be anchored in faith. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your goodness and love. Thank you so much for Jesus. God, we confess that we're arrogant, we're proud, we're self-centered. We, we want our will. And, and we thank you that even though we're that kind of people, you love us. Even though we're that kind of people that you, instead of taking your full anger out on us, took it out on Jesus so that we can have salvation. And God, today we pray that you will fill us anew with your Holy Spirit so that we can live our lives to your glory, honor, and praise. This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.